Welcome to the Candid Divorce Lawyer Podcast, brought to you by Trithowans. Family law can be an emotional roller coaster, a mix of sadness, anger, hope, and worry. The Candid Divorce Lawyer explores topics from marriage to divorce and everything in between. This podcast does not constitute legal advice and is for informational purposes only. If you're looking for legal advice, please do not hesitate to get in touch with us via the details in our bio. Hello, thanks for joining us for this episode of The Candid Divorce Lawyer. I'm Helen and I'm joined by Rosie. And today we'll be looking at the BBC drama, The Split. Hi, Helen. Great to be here chatting about this today. (laughs) So I think it's engaged most of us really on the telly recently. And I think as family lawyers and outside of family law, we were quite looking forward to it coming back. So The Split returned to our screens on the 4th of April 2022, just two days before the biggest change to divorce law in half a century. Yes. Obviously, it was recorded before they had the date for the no-fault divorce, so it's not entirely accurate now, but we'll talk about that shortly. Yeah, absolutely. So The Split is described as a high-powered divorce lawyer drama, and now it's on to its third and final season. But I think we're going to be looking today about how realistic it really is and how it compares to what we do as family lawyers day to day. So I should probably put a spoiler alert in here um, (laughs) that our episode of The Candid Divorce Lawyer today is going to discuss episodes one to three of the third season of The Split. Absolutely. So obviously we've watched episodes one to three. We've caught up on it and had a bit of a chat about it. Um, Obviously, we'll pick up on a few things today, but Nathan, who is a family barrister in the show, describes divorce as a disentanglement of lives both professional and personal and I thought that's quite a nice description really of of what we help clients to do Helen. Absolutely yeah and I think it's quite important here to have a quick look at the terms used i.e lawyer uh, which is an umbrella term for both solicitors and barristers. Barristers usually only represent clients in court Um, and speak on behalf of the clients in the court arena, whereas solicitors primarily deal with the um, behind the scenes, paperwork, meeting with the clients, taking instructions, um, negotiating, all that kind of of stuff. Um, So just to be clear that, yeah, Nathan's role is very different to Hannah's. Um, She's the solicitor, he's the barrister, but collectively they are family lawyers. So just to clear that up um, for anybody that that might be a bit confused about their roles, that's how it works. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Hannah played by Nicola Walker in the show. And we see that really nice scene of them together in the courtroom doing that, you know, traditional roles of solicitor and barrister acting for a client. Absolutely. Right. Shall we have a look at what we think is real and where they've got the law right and potentially where they might have got a little bit carried away um, with a bit of dramatization, which makes it very exciting to watch. Um, But as Rosie and I will go through briefly with you now, it's not always quite um, as they've shown it uh, in our day to day lives. So. Firstly, Rosie and I and all family lawyers um, are human. We are also real people. (laughs) Um, And we do have lives outside of work, um, often socialising together. 
Um, but also we have our own families and lives that don't intermingle uh, with what we do in, in our day-to-day -day work life. Yeah, absolutely. And I think something really key from this season of The Split is that lawyers have podcasts. Who knew? <laughs> Yay! <laughs> we did it before The Split did. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And actually, it's been a really great format, hasn't it, to get information about what we do day to day out to people. So it was quite nice to see that presented, I suppose, from a, a dramatic point of view. The only thing I'd say there is whilst we're very, very happy to have our clients come and chat to us on a podcast, unfortunately, we will not be interviewing the other party, um, especially where there would be considered a conflict of interest. Um, so just bear that in mind. That was a little bit um, out there, let's say, um, when they decided to interview. Um, what was she, a dame or um, a countess, wasn't yes, she? Yes, countess. Um, so she had a lovely title, but she wasn't actually their client. <laughs> no, that was a bit odd, wasn't it? And I suppose that takes away a little bit from, you know, the focus on our duties to our, our client and to the court. And the fact that, you know, there is that genuine professional relationship with those clients you know we care about our clients and their cases it's not a case that it you know five o'clock we close our laptops and go home you know we do this job because we care that's it I remember way back when I was training and um, someone asked me what I did and I went through this big spiel about I can help divorce I can help with financial matters da, 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 the list went on and she said no no in you know in, in one word or, two, or one sentence Helen you are a problem solver and that's really stuck with me because yeah that that's what we do we help real people in their real life um to try and, and sort out their problems and, and help them so yeah we we are professionals but we're also um empathetic um and and like Rosie quite rightly says we we care so um, we wouldn't laugh at our clients, um, whatever's no. going on uh, in their lives. Um, sometimes it shocks us, sometimes sadly it doesn't, um, but we will always be empathetic um, and supportive. So, Absolutely, and I think that comes hand in hand with knowing that we are not the be all, be all and end all for our clients. You know, It may well be that we have to signpost them to other professionals to assist in other ways, You know, whether that's maybe therapists, um, IFAs, accountants, other people that can assist them with their case and also with the next progression of, of their life, really. That is so true, Rosie. And I think that's actually a really prominent theme that's coming through um, with family lawyers that we, we can't, you know, advise on every aspect of a separation. Um, and it's actually really beneficial to get other professionals on board quite early on um, and you know, it's got a grand name of the multi-agency approach, but it is just a group of professionals with one person's interests in mind. So that that's a really good point. I, I yeah, I really get that. Definitely, you know, teamwork really does make the dream work when we're dealing with all of this, doesn't it? And we yeah. know that, you know, as family solicitors in particular, we're not like GPs, you know, we're not general practitioners. We can't dabble in a bit of everything and there's definitely some creative license with that within the show isn't there um Absolutely. because ultimately we are family specialists we are specialists in what we do and that's why you know we're so well placed to guide our clients through the legal complexities of life 
Yeah, that's that's really true. Um, and for that reason, I think it also needs to be made clear that we don't act um, for our own family, especially, um, and very probably unlikely that we'd act for each other's family, um, just because there's too much emotion there. And um, it would really be a conflict of interest because we'd have we'd have too much um uh, riding on it let's say <laughs> yeah absolutely and again there's some creative license with that within the show isn't there there's you know suggestion that perhaps if a prenuptial agreement or was drawn up for live or you know if she ended up getting divorced further down the line um that either of her parents might act for her which just completely would not be the case no of course it wouldn't be um but it, it it's a good point that she should maybe think of a prenup I'm not sure how much money um, or assets she's got um I know that mum and dad have a very lovely house <laughs> um, but I'm not sure what, what she's got um, being as young as she is uh, but again another topic for another day maybe absolutely um, and then we came on to this court scene didn't we Rosie yes what were your thoughts on that well it's not a hundred miles from reality you know quite often we are in courtroom settings with clients and it may well just be the judge the parties and their legal representatives uh, mm-hmm. quite often it's not in a formal courtroom sometimes it might be in you know judges chambers which is just more of a general room isn't it um yeah. and you know I have had it before on cases where clients have walked out of those hearings it's certainly not recommended is it Helen no the judges don't tend to appreciate that <laughs> No. especially if it's when the judge is actually addressing that person um emotions can run very high and we appreciate that and so does the judge again you know judges are, are people they're humans as well um, but they have a very important job to do and so yeah recommended not to storm out you could ask for a break um we've often seen that and we would encourage that when emotions are maybe running high you could ask for a break but the judge can say no uh if the judge is mid listening to evidence or mid giving a judgment um they may say no you just need to hold on um while I consider this and and express what what my thoughts are or whatever wherever you may be um but also we're having court hearings via zoom thanks to covid absolutely I think the court arena is trying to move away from that, um, but there's definitely pros and cons uh, for, for that way and that formality um, maybe remaining. Who knows? Who knows? Absolutely. It's a bit of a watch this space, isn't it, to see what happens next? Of course. So we've looked at sort of the court scenes. Um, also, there's lots of roundtable discussions within the show. Um It's not something that happens everywhere, but certainly it is an option for for many parties. And actually, we have um, several collaborative lawyers within our firm, don't we, who are able to to do those roundtable discussions and, you know, to do collaborative law, ultimately. I think it's important there to say that that's when both parties are represented. Um, There was a scene, I think it was again with the Countess, wasn't she, wasn't it? And she was representing herself and there was a bit of a hoo-ha there. Um, I'm not sure that we'd recommend having a round table meeting when when the person's not represented on the other side. Um, And I think they had um, another meeting regarding the surrogacy surrogacy or donor agreement as they called Mm. it. Um, Again, we, there's a time and a place for either roundtable meetings, which is when you both have your lawyer present and we try and negotiate um, around a table and, and thrash the ideas around a little bit, get an idea of where everyone's coming from, what their position is. 
Um, and then collaborative is very similar, but you sign an agreement and there, there's a bit more to it. So we do have, like Rosie says, uh, trained collaborative lawyers here at Trithowen. So um, please get in touch if you want to know more. And I think that's probably a podcast for a, another day if we haven't already done one. <laughs> no, absolutely. So that's kind of, I suppose, the realities, um, a bit of a reality check on the split. What about the legal side of things, Helen? Well, <laughs> we do have a member of the team who point blank refuses to watch the split because she ends up screaming at the screen. Um, Rosie and I are just too, um, in, we get too engrossed in it. So uh, we love the dramatization, but we do appreciate that there are elements that have been very much dramatized. Um, and some some of the bits are actually, you know, the, the law is actually wrong. So we have to bear that in mind. Um, and that's part of the reason for doing the podcast, a bit of fun, but also to say don't you know, don't take it all on, on face value. So the first thing that I think is important to point out that um, in a divorce, uh, we now have the new fault divorce. So I think the law there is already outdated. Um, but the whole psychological assessment um, that, that's gone on and, you know, rummaging through the drawers in the house. And I, we're not even convinced that she was an adult um, psychologist. I think we, that she was referred to as the kid shrink um, by Hannah, I think. So that wouldn't happen. Um, I can't see how that would happen if a psychological assessment is required of a party or a child there would be reasons behind that there would be permission um normally a jointly instructed professional mm. uh to get that report so i just can't see where they got that from um but it's very interesting to watch and and, and yes. watch the snooping <laughs> absolutely yes yeah, certainly you know it's unusual to have anything at home certainly it would normally be in a professional's office or environment um that's neutral from that perspective and as you say you know the law has changed since um this first came out um and we are looking at a different way to deal with divorce Helen, I know you've done two episodes of the podcast on No Fault Divorce, so if anyone wants to go back and have a listen to those, if you haven't already, they are episodes two and episode six of The Candid Divorce Lawyer. Thanks for the plug, Rosie. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so we won't go into how the law has changed in this episode, but just be aware that, yeah, there is a No Fault Divorce. Uh, one party now can divorce the other one um, and the other party can't defend it anymore. So I think that's the main point coming from this um, perspective, that if one person does want to get divorced, they can. So in the episodes, the surgeon, um, she could divorce um, her husband. So uh, that's the main point there. Then I suppose we go on to the point of the contentious probate. So we've briefly mentioned this with the... Um, roundtable discussion with the countess and the fiance of the deceased um ultimately contentious probate it's not family law that would be dealt with by another lawyer who has a specialism in that area um so certainly you know hannah shouldn't be touching that with a barge pole quite frankly no she's she's an absolute hero if she knows wills probates trusts succession and all the the, the aspects of family law so definitely not something that the family team here would advise on but obviously we would signpost to the right person if they were a previous client on it sounds like Hannah had been advising uh, the fiance uh, on the grounds of a prenup again so there was quite a lot of people <laughs> actors um, in the the split that, that needed advice on prenup so I think they did look at that in quite some detail didn't they Rosie? Yeah definitely and it comes back to that point of you know if 
there are pointers that fall outside of the realms of family law say if there's conveyancing issue wills and probates trust you know that's the joy of having other lawyers and other disciplines to be able to you know have a discussion about those things and make sure that the client has the right advice from the right person 100% absolutely and then another theme um, that ran through at least the first three episodes of this series was this donor agreement we would call it surrogacy I don't know if it's a bit been a bit Americanized mm-hmm. there and we definitely wouldn't meet with the donor and the recipient together we only advise one party at this stage and if we had any doubt that what they were signing may not be a true reflection um, of what's been happening. We would have a, a frank discussion with the client. But at the end of the day, we we give advice, but we take instructions from the client. So, you know, Bella would have to, to be sure that, that she was happy with it as a surrogacy, um, as opposed to maybe her wife, I think it was her wife, maybe applying for parental responsibility in the future or something and and having dad involved so biological dad involved so there was there was quite a lot going on um in that episode uh, from our point of view but again the, it probably wasn't very accurately portrayed how we would assist if if anyone you know came to us with with that so bear that in mind if you are thinking of being a surrogate um or having a surrogate for you so there we go yeah, absolutely. And again, that does fall under family law. So it is yes. something that we're able to assist with. Certainly. 100%, yeah. So we've mentioned prenuptial agreements a few times, and I appreciate that, you know, it's a bit of a hot topic and I anticipate there will be a podcast coming out on it very soon. Um, but let's just maybe go over the key points of prenup so that people have a sort of basic understanding um, of the documents. I mean, essentially a prenuptial agreement, it's not legally binding, is it, Helen? No, it's not. And I think there are some um, misconceptions in, you know, to the layperson, you guys listening, hopefully that, um, you know, you either that these aren't worth the paper they're written on, which isn't strictly true, and they cost lots of money, or that they are completely watertight and legally binding if the worst were to happen. So yeah, I think it's important, Rosie, that we go through if you do think, you know, if you needed one, how we we can assist with that. Yes, certainly. So, I mean, as we've already said, this came up quite a lot in just the first three episodes of this season. Um, We saw it discussed on the podcast with Tyler and Xander. And I suppose also it's relevant to Ruth and Ronnie's engagement because, of course, they've been married before to other people. Um, And on that vein, I mean, looking at the statistics, approximately 50,000 people enter into a second, third or fourth marriage each year in England and Wales alone. So this isn't something that's uncommon. That's staggering, isn't it? That statistic. I've not, I've not researched that one before or seen that before. Um, But yeah, that's a massive amount of couples that that are, are marrying for a second or third or fourth time. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So as we've said, they're not currently legally binding, but they should carry significant weight if they're created and executed correctly. And that's where we come in. (laughs) Absolutely. So it's that importance of having the legal advice, isn't it? And ensuring that the formalities in, in respect of a prenuptial agreement are, you know, followed correctly and that it's all done as is necessary to sort of tick all those boxes, isn't it? Yeah, and it's quite it's quite regimented and strict criteria 
um, if we're going to assist with a prenup, there's only point in doing so if we follow the criteria to make it as watertight as it possibly can be, should the worst happen in the future. Yeah, absolutely. So let's have a just, we'll briefly run through those points. I know they'll be covered in more detail later on, but essentially both parties have to enter into a prenuptial agreement of their own free will and without any duress or undue pressure or influence. Yeah, and I think the way that the the court tries to ensure that they're made aware that it has been entered into freely is that um, what we refer to as full and frank financial disclosure. So basically uh, any assets, money, resources that each party has available to them are declared prior to signing um, the agreement. Yeah, absolutely. It's having that snapshot of the the other person's position financially, isn't it? Yeah. Making sure there's a clear understanding there. Also, as we've said, it's important to have that legal advice, but it should be independent legal advice from separate solicitors before entering into a prenuptial agreement. And that is actually part of the criteria. We sign the prenup as well to confirm that we have advised you um, as to the fairness uh, of what you're signing, the fairness of the terms, um, and also how reasonably reasonable it would be um, if the worst were to happen, there's no point having a prenup excluding absolutely everything. And, you know, they can be 20, 30 pages long if, you know, if the worst were to happen and that leaves somebody completely high and dry, it just couldn't be be enforceable. Yeah, absolutely. And I think timescales are also important, aren't they? You know, we'd say that it's important to try and finalise any prenuptial agreement at least three months before a wedding's due to take place. Yeah, and you wouldn't want to be, you know, sorting this out too close to the wedding. Um, As long as it's considered, um, I mean, we can do them as long as it's less than a year before the wedding. um, You know, you could do this bit first. It's not very romantic. It's not very fun. uh, But it is really, really important um, in this day and age that, you know, people are maybe marrying a bit later. They've already got significant assets or maybe one person has, one person hasn't, whatever the case may be. Yeah. So my advice would just do it earlier, get it done and then enjoy planning, you know, that special day. Yeah, absolutely. Probably a consideration for Ruth and Ronnie to be uh, thinking about in the split at the moment, isn't it? Yeah, and maybe Liv if she's going to go through with it. So. Absolutely. <laughs> Watch this space. Yeah. So I suppose rounding that up then, the prenuptial agreement has to be entered into by both parties on the basis that if the worst should happen, the relationship does break down, they agree that those terms are going to be upheld. Yeah, And that's what absolutely. they're signing themselves into, isn't it? Yeah. And we appreciate things change with, you know, we can't, well, I can't see into the future. So we can't, what we would recommend um, either having a review clause to say that the the terms of the agreement will be reviewed, maybe on the birth of a child um, or every three or five years, or even a termination, you know, it might, you may think, well, after 10 years, everything will have changed by then um so we you say you can have a termination clause so we can really really um match the terms of the clause to personal circumstances yeah absolutely so i suppose in terms of prenups hopefully we'll have uh, another podcast on that which will go into a bit more detail but that should give you a bit of a flavor of, of you know what they are when they're talking about it in the next few episodes as well it'll be interesting won't it Rosie to see how they go about it and I wonder if it will be Hannah or maybe Xander who's in the same firm but um not actually a relation but their relationship's pretty close so I'll we'll, we'll see watch this space on that one too 
the last, I think, topic that we've noted um, has been addressed in the split drama is how children are cared for within a separation um, and after the separation into the divorce and thereafter that. There was mention of parenting plans, which we are all very pro. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> At Trithowans, all the fear, all the family fearners are uh, members of the national organization resolution so we commit to advise clients in a non-confrontational way and deal with matters in a non-confrontational way where possible um, and always put the children's needs first so parenting plans yes they are a thing they are very good they record um, any agreements that the parties have made as to how they're going to care for the children uh, important decisions for the children how that's all going to be dealt with so that's great then we come on to this term nesting, Rosie. Mm. <laughs> so what do you think of that? Well, I mean, it's something we all as family lawyers know the concept of nesting, but it's certainly not really something that's used at all anymore. I mean, I don't think I've ever had a case involving nesting. Have you? Well, let's let's actually tell our listeners what nesting is. So nesting is when you do share a home um, or you take it in turns to be in the home, um, but the children remain there. So you can't, So the, I can see that previously it may have been considered that it was good for the stability for the children, but actually no way, it's not. I can't see any judge these days thinking that's a good idea. Um, it may work for you as a family to begin with, maybe for a short period of time, you know, one mum can move out for a week and dad cares for everyone and cracks on and then they swap. But then you you both need somewhere else to go, firstly. Um, it's very unsettling for the children because there's, you know, people coming and going. They never really know what, what's happening. Um, and then what happens when you get a new partner? If you get a new partner, but when you get a new partner, as in the split. Yes, absolutely. And we saw, you know, the heightened emotions that come from that arrangement. And as you say, for some families, it may work. But as we're seeing for Hannah and Nathan, it's not working at all. No. Um, and particularly that introduction of the new partner and how that all comes into play. We've seen the impact that that has, obviously, in a dramatized way, but on both Hannah and Nathan and the children. And I think, you know, Nathan's introduced this new partner I think it's Kate isn't it yeah. um very quickly to the children um but then matters have progressed rather quickly um in his new relationship so there's again there's so many elements in this and you know the children's needs would always come first so this impacts on the financial settlement between Nathan and Hannah uh, which is why he then wanted to review it with his rather what should we call her, a bolshy lawyer, yes. <laughs> aggressive maybe, mm. um, who wanted to review the whole terms of the agreement because she found out that um, Nathan's new partner, Kate, was pregnant. Um, so it does, it, you know, it, from a lawyer point of view in England, um, yes, it, it would potentially have an impact because Nathan's needs would then change because he has got another child to provide for. But then also we would never... I don't think I would ever recommend that they all move into the house under this nesting um, thing. So, yeah, no. lots to think about there. And, and like Rosie quite rightly said, it's been very, very dramatised. And if she's a child psychologist acting like that, then wow. 
yes absolutely <laughs> she wouldn't yeah. be one that we'd be recommending let's put it that way no certainly not um but it's definitely had some really interesting points and I think you know there are moments where I've watched it and gone oh I think they've got that quite right in terms of you know the emotion in those moments they're really good at capturing that aren't they Oh, to watch it, it's just fabulous, isn't it? Yeah, we do love it. But um, yeah, just just be aware that um, in real life, especially non-London lawyers, um, as as I am um, and as Rosie is most of the time, you know, there is there are a lot of discrepancies as to how what we see and how we deal with things day to day. Absolutely, Helen. So I suppose we've covered no fault divorce, and actually, there is this interesting debate during the episodes between Kate and Hannah about this family lawyer's quest for the good divorce and hopefully the introduction of no-fault divorce in England and Wales will help us move towards that in the way that we've all been hoping for quite some time. That's it and the no blame game that's all you know been plastered through the papers and and, and the media and also through our you know we've, we have done a couple of podcasts on that so if you do want to, to know a bit more about the no-fault divorce and the no blame game then uh, please do listen to those other podcasts. So three episodes left. Rosie and I will watch those and come back to you with our thoughts if you want to listen to them. Um, but in the meantime, enjoy watching The Split. And if you know of anybody that um, is having a bit of a hard time and needs some family law advice, please do get in touch. Um, we do offer a, an initial free half an hour consultation at Trithowen. So please, please do get in touch if anyone requires it. So thank you for listening today. We hope you can join us again soon for another episode of The Candid Divorce Lawyer. Please remember to leave us a review and like and follow the podcast. Bye. Thank you for listening to The Candid Divorce Lawyer podcast brought to you by Trithowans. To hear more from us, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. You can also follow our Instagram page at Candid Divorce Lawyer. This podcast does not constitute legal advice and is for informational purposes only. If you're looking for legal advice, please do not hesitate to get in touch with us via the details in our bio. 